if you will, go with me in the Word. We're going to start with Romans chapter 4. You know, I'll be honest with you, this one I kind of struggle with because, and and I ended up doing some research. I don't listen to my messages a whole lot, to be honest with you. I don't really go back and listen to my stuff. I've got the notes, and I'll go back and meditate on some things. But I went online. I didn't listen to anything um, because I don't really want to hear myself preach. Y'all have to listen to it. I don't, I don't have to, I guess. But um, uh, I, I went online just to look at some titles because I kind of feel like where I'm going tonight, we've kind of been before and uh, even just recently. Uh, but God just has me going in this direction again tonight, and I believe it's going to be a great word for our body. Um, kind of piggybacking off of uh, what was ministered on Sunday. Anybody excited about what God is doing at Anchor Faith Church? Amen. God's moving us. God's uh, transitioning us. God is doing some great things. And, um, you know, the exciting part about it is I, I didn't go looking for any of it. I have found in my life that uh, the changes and the transitions and the things that have taken place in my life have happened when I was least expecting it, when I wasn't on my hands and knees saying, God, we need a building, God, we need some property, God, we need to move. Uh, you know, I, I was just doing what God's called me to do. Amen. And, uh, you know, I, I've had people come to me and say, how do you know when your season's up? How do you know when you're called to do this? How do you know when it's time to transition? How do you know? And I just honestly just keep doing what you've been doing. That's the, that's the greatest thing you can do. If you're looking for another season, if you're looking for the next thing, You've got to get planted before we can, you know, sometimes we're uprooting stuff that hasn't been planted yet, hasn't gotten into the soil. You haven't even gotten stuff in you. See, the the plant has got to get some stuff in it before it can start giving stuff away. And so sometimes we uproot uproot things so quickly. We've just got to take time to just let ourselves get planted and get saturated with what God wants to do. And So tonight's message is entitled, Don't Get Lost in Transition. Don't Get Lost in Transition. And uh, if we have any St. Augustine people that have have been, that are in this room, we've got a few, you're laughing because Pastor Earl ministered a message just like this when it came time for us to relocate uh, into the movie theater that they're currently in. Um, And uh, he he ministered kind of in a different, different direction. Um, But I believe that God is a God of transition. I believe that God is a God of levels. I believe that God is always growing us, always developing us, always moving us. And so you just have to get used to the fact that transition is a part of life of a believer. God's always developing us and changing us and, and, and bringing new things to light and he wants us to do more tomorrow than we did today. I believe that God is always a progressional God. Moving level to level, stage to stage, faith to faith, grace to grace. He's constantly moving things forward. And so, therefore, transition is always necessary. Transition uh, is always a requirement to get from one level to the next. And so tonight, uh, I want to talk about three hindrances to transition. Three hindrances uh, that we're going to look at. Three separate examples in the Word of God of things that come to combat transition in your life. I'm going to tell you right now, there is someone out there that does not want you to transition. 
that does not want you to grow, that does not want you to develop, that does not want you to move to the next thing. And although this is something for our church, this is something for our church as a whole, uh, something for all of us to grab hold of, my leadership team doesn't even know this, but I will be giving them an assignment based upon this message tonight. Those that aren't in here uh, will be required to go online and listen to it, and they will be turning in an assignment to me next week based upon this message. Um, But transition can be a dangerous place if we're not careful. Transition uh, can uh, uh, actually be a place where people get stuck. You just constantly hit the wall and you bounce back. You might have seen this maybe in your life, maybe as a parent, uh, maybe in your finances, maybe uh, in relationships that you have, maybe in your job. God's, God's taking you deeper. God's stretching you. God's moving you, right? We're in the stretch and, and, and so now we're transitioning to something new, something uncomfortable, something that, that, that's not as familiar as what we had before. And so I want to look at three hindrances that I believe we can overcome these hindrances. We can conquer the transition. The first hindrance is the test. The test. And with each one of these, I have a question to associate which each, with each of these hindrances. Our first question is, pass or fail? Pass or fail? There is no transition without a test. There is no transition without a test. There's always testing required to transition to another level, right? I mean, we know this for school. Uh, you may know this for your job. If you want to get more money, if you want to get promoted, if you want to go to another level, they're going to test you. They're going to require. Why? There's an expectation of what we need at this layer that you haven't been producing at this level. So we need to make sure you can not just handle where you were, but handle where you're going. And, and so God's the same way. Now, tests come in a multitude of ways. Tests can come uh, by the enemy. And then some of the testing is just the fact that we're taking on something new that we've got to be able to build a tolerance for, build a capacity for. We said this on Sunday, that stretching always uh, increases your ability and your capacity of what you can handle. If I'm stretching, then I'm able to take on something more than I was able to do before. And so here our first example is Abraham. First example that I want to show you in the testing phase of transition is Abraham. Are we going to pass or are we going to fail? Now, I'm not going to go through the whole story of Abraham, but I am going to sum up his life uh, where Paul summed it up in Romans chapter 4, and we're going to start with verse 19. Romans chapter 4, in verse 19, it says, And not being weak in faith, he did not consider. Everyone say consider. He did not consider, he did not look at, he did not give attention to, he did not focus on what? His own body, already dead since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. They're dead. That means uh, not fruitful is what that means, not productive, not effective. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. If you go through unbelief, you'll cause wavering. But he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to 
perform. Verse 22, and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. You know, sometimes I, I read the Bible, and you know, we, we've got so many stories in here of just unbelievable things that, that people went through, that a lot of these leaders endured through. But then some of them, you know, you, you've got questions. You know, it's funny because the trial or the test or the struggle that you're going through always seems greater than anything else. Like we can read about Abraham being 100 years old and his wife being 90 years old and not being able to have children beyond the years of having children and then say, yeah, but he didn't have the credit card debt I had. He wasn't married to the spouse I have. He wasn't raising the kids. He was lucky he didn't have kids. If he only knew the trial I'm going through with my children, he'd been praising God that he didn't have children. Right? The trial you're currently going through always seems way greater than somebody else's. And so, you know, you, you kind of read through these things, and, and we get over to Hebrews chapter 11. It's what we call the hall of faith. It just goes down list by list, name by name, of individuals in the word of God that operated in faith. But some of those things seem like, I mean, what, what kind of faith do you have to have to, to build an ark? I mean, you're building an ark. Sure, God, you know, said that it's going to rain. We've never seen rain before. What kind of faith does that require? And you can go through some of these stories and identify some of these things and, and, and kind of get this idea that, you know, I have to have more faith than them or their struggle wasn't as, uh, as troublesome as my struggle. But then God spoke to me and he said this. He says, every one of those is prefaced with by faith. Meaning, just the fact that it required faith means that it wasn't easy. He said, if it was easy, they wouldn't need faith. Just the very fact that faith is even mentioned in their story, in their predicament, in their struggle, tells you that it wasn't easy. Tells you that it was beyond human ability. That it was beyond natural discernment. That it required God to operate on their behalf. By faith, Moses stretched out his rod over the waters and the seas parted. By faith, Noah built an ark. By faith, uh, you know, all the different opportunities that we see in the word of God. And your test is no different. Your test is going to require your faith in God's ability. Not your ability. He's not asking for your ability. He's not asking for your power. We talked about this a few weeks ago with Gideon. God isn't asking for your power. He's asking for your obedience. If you will obey and do your part, God will show up and do his part. So sometimes we think, okay, God, uh, uh, I want to obey you, but I, I can't. I, I can't do that. And he says, I know you can't. I just want you to obey. That's the only thing I'm asking you to do. Just obey my word, and then I'll take care of the unbelievable part that can't be done, is what he's saying. With Abraham, all that he was looking for was for Abraham to pass the test. And Abraham is in a period of transition here. He thought he was transitioning to death, and God's saying, no, I'm transitioning you to life. Just when you should be dying and wearing off, I'm actually wanting you to give life and bring more. And not just one, but I want to make you the father of many nations. But there was a test involved. He went through multiple tests. He, he went through the test of, will you go when I say go? Will you leave everything that you have? Will you leave your family? And will you press on? And then he had to believe God for 25 years that he was going to, Make good on the promise, 
I am going to make you a father of many nations. I'm going to give you a child. Then, as if that wasn't hard enough, he had to take that only child and lay him on an altar and sacrifice him to God. And each transition required a test. Pass or fail. Are we going to pass or fail? You can count on this. Uh, I had a pastor friend of mine um, just a few months ago, I guess maybe about three or four months ago now, gave me a book. Gave me a book. It's called Leadership Pain. Leadership Pain. It's talking to leaders and it's talking about how to endure the pain that comes with leadership. And, you know, whatever. I'm not going to get into all the details of it. But at the beginning of every chapter, There's different pastors, well-known pastors. I'm talking worldwide known pastors. Opening up each chapter and talking about things that they went through in their ministry. And it was interesting how many of them, the second they entered a building project, a test showed up. Somebody, you know, somebody vital on their staff leaves. Uh, One of their best friends cuts them down and, and, and starts spreading rumors and accusations about them. Uh, uh, maybe it was a financial thing. Now the, the bank all of a sudden doesn't want to make good on a loan that they were believing God for. Um, uh, I remember one of them was a, a pastor who got into this $30 million building project, and all of a sudden he's just got this crazy insomnia. He cannot go to sleep. They're medicating him. They're giving him all these different... He's not getting any sleep, so now his marriage is falling apart. His ministry is falling apart. He can't even come on Sunday morning and preach because he hasn't even had any sleep all week. I mean, just all kinds of trials. You can count that there will be a test that will test you. Can you make it to the next level? Now, yes, the enemy is the result of many of these tests. We, 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 we discovered just last week when we were ministering about Gideon again, we were talking about Gideon, and we said that there was a test. And, and, and sometimes we're asking God to take away tests, and, and he's saying, no, I just want you to endure it. We said last week the only way you get through a trial is by going through it. The only way you overcome a test is by taking it. I mean, I don't know how many of you in school were able to overcome a test by saying, you know what, I really don't feel like doing this. Um, I don't really know all this stuff. And they said, that's all right, we'll pass you. I don't, I, if you had that teacher, good for you. I did not have that teacher. My teacher said, too bad, take the test because we ain't transitioning you to the next level until you test out of this level. Now, see, a lot of us think that the test is there to keep us where we're at. But God sees it differently. He says, no, I, I, I have to place the test there. I have to allow the test to take place because I need to know if you can get to the next level. The test is designed to get you somewhere, not keep you somewhere. I'll say that again. The test is, is designed to get you somewhere, not keep you somewhere. I'll tell you right now that the attitude we have about the test is 90% of the work. You'll find if you could just change your attitude about the test and just say, you know what? This test is here to prove whether I have the faith, whether I have the trust, whether I have the belief, whether I have uh, the, the grace upon my life to get to the next level. So I'm going to take it. You would find that the test would actually be a lot easier. A lot of times it's just our attitude going into the test that keeps us from passing. And there's nobody in the Bible that endured a test or took a test or, 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 or had to go through a test in their life that 
didn't at some point say, I don't know if I can do this. I mean, if you don't have that thought in your mind, then you might not be taking the right test. You might be taking the fourth grade test when you're trying to graduate. Right? There should be a little bit of struggle. There should be a little bit of, man, I don't know. But the exciting thing about it is the season you're currently in has provided you all the resource to pass the test to get to the next season. The season that I've gone through right now is building up within me all the necessary resource. Because now when I'm looking at purchasing uh, you know, this property for a certain amount of money, I can look back at all the faithfulness that God showed us when we were here. And when uh, we had a much smaller dollar amounts, but at the time were much bigger. And so everything I've endured in the last four years has just been preparing me for the next level. So the first hindrance, the number one hindrance that we come across is the test. The next level requires a greater capacity. The next level requires a greater capacity. You can't do in the next level what you did in this level. And you can't operate with in the next level with what you operated with in this level. There's got to be some increasing. There's got to be some development. There's got to be some progressing and moving forward so we can pass the test. So number one is the test. Are we going to pass? Are we going to fail? I don't remember if I said this or not, but there is no transition without a test. Number two. Number two is the temptation. And yes, all these start with the letter T. (laughs) Sure do. Worked hard on that one. What I've been doing all day. I don't know what y'all been doing all day, but I've been trying to make things rhyme and start with the same letter and all that fun stuff. I'm just playing. Temptation. The temptation. The question we have here is concept or commitment. Concept or commitment. What does that mean? I was listening to a pastor recently, and he was ministering. And um, he was talking about his kids, and they really want a dog. They've been bothering him for months and months and months about a dog. He says, every time I leave the house, I hear about a dog. Every time I come home, I hear about a dog. I, I got my kids crawling in here on all fours, acting like a dog, trying to drop hints and say, hey, we really want a dog. And, and, and what he, the reason why he has not bought the dog is because he said, you guys only like the concept or the idea of having a dog. But, and, and this is his words, he said, y'all are lazy. Y'all don't close one door in this house. I said, I'll give you two days and that dog's going to be out on the road splattered all over the concrete because you like the idea of owning a dog, but you don't really have the commitment to own the dog. See, a transition, we all love the excitement of transition. I mean, when, when we made the announcement this weekend, cheers and excitement and, yeah, we're moving to the next level, but are we willing to take on the work that's necessary to commit to the transition? Are we, are we willing to invest financially in the train? We can be all excited all we want, but will we open up the pocketbook and say, God, I'm going to give sacrificially here because this is how we're going to meet the need. Are we willing to put in the work that's going to be needed to actually build on it? Are, are we willing to go through a season of maybe cutting back so that we can add more later? 
These are questions we have to ask ourselves because the concept of having property and the concept of owning a building, the concept of taking on that new job, the concept of having another child, the concept of getting married, the concept is always great. Everyone's got great ideas, but are we willing to put in the work to faithfully commit to see it happen? So our example here in Mark chapter 10 is the rich young ruler. Mark chapter 10, and we are going to look at verse 17. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Now as he was going out on the road, one came running, running, knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Loves the concept of eternal life. Running, excited, passionate. Chasing Jesus down the road. What do I need to do so that I can inherit eternal life? Uh, We know in another passage that this guy was actually coming and asking Jesus, what do I need to do to come follow you and be one of your disciples? I want to hook up with you, man. you got all these signs and wonders taking place. I mean, you've got crowds following you. Everyone loves a crowd. But they didn't see Jesus sleeping or uh, not getting any sleep all night because he's up praying. Right? There's an investment being made. We like the idea. We like the concept of it. So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I have kept. Everyone say kept. Kept. See, it's one thing to keep. It's one thing to keep. He said, all these things I have kept. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, one thing you lack. Now all of a sudden he's hit the guy's one thing. That's the one, the one thing. We've kept all these other things, but one thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have and give. Everyone say give. The guy was real good at keeping, but he wasn't real good at giving. He wasn't real good at putting something in. He wasn't real good at giving something up. He says, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have a treasure in heaven. Come, take up the cross, and follow me. Take up your cross. But watch his response. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He was sad at this word because he wanted to get a dog, but then he realized that dogs will poop and pee wherever they want, and you've got to clean up after them. Uh, you realize that they've got to be fed at certain times. They've got to be walked. Uh, you, you, you can't just live your life like you normally did before. Why? There's a sacrifice. There's a vestment. There's a cost to be made. Is this a concept or a commitment? Is this just an idea, a a lofty idea of, man, this sounds good, transition sounds good, new season sounds good, gaining sounds good, developing sounds good, growing sounds good, but then what about the cost and the sacrifice that's necessary to maintain where we're going? Anything that's obtained must be maintained. Anything that's obtained must be maintained. You can obtain that job position, but you're going to have to Learn how to do it. You're going to learn how to be competent in it. 
You can obtain that, that new paycheck, more money than you've ever made before, but now you've got to maintain those finances and you've got to be a proper steward with them. You can obtain a spouse, but then you've got to maintain a marriage. You can obtain children, but now you've got to maintain their growth. You see where I'm going. Is this a, just a concept? Is this just a lofty idea? Or is this something that we're willy, uh, really willing to faithfully commit to, to see it come to pass? Transition. So what's the temptation? Every transition comes with the temptation to stay where you're at. Because the price to pay to get to the next level seems too much. This rich young ruler had a great passion to follow and serve Jesus. He came running down the road. He knelt before him. He said, what do I got to do? Look, man, I've been keeping all these things. And then Jesus says, okay, well, let's, let, let's, let's flip this thing around. I need you to give something. And we said this a few weeks ago. The, the rich young ruler, God, Jesus was not asking for his money. He was asking for him. I'll say that again. Jesus was not asking him for his money. He was asking him for himself. He's asking for his sacrifice. Were you willing to give up, pay the price, take up your cross and follow me? You want to follow me? Okay, let me show you what's going to happen. You're going to have people running down here thinking that you can just do miracles left and right. You're going to eventually get to a point where all they want to see is just a sign and a wonder. They don't care about your words. They don't care about you. They're actually going to call you a demon and say that you have a demon and that you're the son of the devil. And they're going to say every bad thing. And then they're going to want to kill you. They're going to want to take your life. Are you willing to lay down your life? Because if you're not willing to give up your riches, you're not willing to give up your life. So you got this great idea, I want to come follow Jesus. But are we willing to commit to make it through the transition? But here's the exciting thing. We know this, that a man can gain the whole world and lose his soul. And the cost that you will pay to make the transition fails in comparison to what it'll cost you if you don't follow God. The price you pay for not following God is way heavier than what you'll give up today to follow Him. Pay now or pay later. Pay now or pay later. There's a cost. When transition shows up, that's where complacency shows up. We just talked about Moses and the Israelites. How in the world, how in the world could half a million people, over half a million people, come out of over 400 years of slavery, be delivered by 10 plagues that only could come by God, make it all the way to a Red Sea, and decide... You know what? Egypt was better. Why? Because familiarity is always safer. At least I was comfortable. At least I knew the routine. 
at least I knew when I was going to be fed. Out here, I, I, there's a little more trusting involved. Out here, there's a little more work involved. Out here, I've got to fend for myself. Uh, before, you know, if someone came against us, we had the Egyptians. They would fight. Off. We didn't have to fight. Now, out here, I'm going to have to fight in this wilderness. I'm going to have to fight off the Amalekites. Uh, and then we get into the promised land. We, get, we, get, we send spies into the promised land. And they say, it's too great. It's too great. And the price that they would have paid to get in to the promised land wasn't anywhere near the price they paid to stay in the wilderness. I'll say that again. The price they paid, the price that they would have paid to get into the wilderness would have failed in comparison to the price they paid to stay in the wilderness. Transition's always an exciting thing at first, but then we've got to sit down and are we willing to do what Jesus said? Are we willing to count the cost? No man, before he enters battle, goes into battle without counting the cost. No man goes to build a building without first counting the cost. We've got to be willing to count the cost. So number one is the test. Are we going to pass or fail? Number two is the temptation. Is it just a concept? Or are, we really, are we really serious about committing to get to the next level? We've got to defeat the temptation to stay where we're at. Defeat the temptation to stay where you're at. Good is the greatest enemy of great. Good is the greatest enemy of great. Anytime you stretch, you always think in your mind, you know what, I'm, I'm already doing pretty good. I mean, the, the position I have, it's not a bad position. I mean, I got to do all that work to get that. The money I'm making now, it's not that bad. Transition with the seasons exciting, but then going through the transition and recognizing everything I'm going to have to put, all the work and all the effort, all the toil, all, everything I'm going to have to put in to make sure I get to the other side, I don't know. Now all of a sudden we start looking at what we have rather than what we could have. What you have can keep you from what you could have. And where you are going, or where you are, can keep you from where you're going. What you have can keep you from what you could have. And where we are now can keep us from where we're supposed to be. It's just a thought. Is it a concept or a commitment? Last one, we've got the test, we've got the temptation, the last one is trust. Trust is the last hindrance, the last hurdle to making it through transition. They all start with the letter T. This sermon has been brought to you by the letter T. Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. Trust. The question we're asking here is now or next? Now or next? Now 
or next. One of the dangers that I've seen people make in transition in multiple areas, I did this myself, is when we get a glimpse of where we're going, we quit maintaining where we're at today. Got a couple teachers down here. Got someone that just graduated from high school. Anyone familiar with the term senioritis? Yep. What do we do? We quit maintaining where we're at because of where we know we're going. Anyone ever put in a two weeks notice at a job? You don't have to raise your hand for the next question. You probably already know where I'm going. Did we quit maintaining where we were because we were so excited about where we were going? Start loosening up our collars, start wearing our shirt untouched, start coming in a little late, start not caring about our assignments. I got my two weeks, man. I'm good. And you you should hear about this place I'm going. But here's here's the danger. How you leave one season is how you enter the next. That may have worked at Burger King. That may have worked at your high school, but it won't work in the kingdom. How you leave one season is how you enter the next. You can just jot this down. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, verses 14 through 29. And you're familiar with this story. It's the parable of the talents. We've got a master that has now turned over, delegated uh, uh, increments of value to three servants. One's, was, one's given five, one is given two, and one is given one. According to their ability, not his idea. This isn't up to the master. It's up to what you can handle. You can handle five, you're getting five. You can handle two, you're getting two. Or you can handle one, you're getting one. And we know the story, the, the, the one with the five, he goes out, he doubles it, and he gains five more. He's got ten now. He's brought some increase. We know the next one with the two, he does the same thing. He takes the two, he goes out, sells and trades. He gets two more, now he's got four. And the master for both of them says, well done, good, and faithful Servant, you were faithful with little. Now you will be made ruler over much. But then we get down to the lazy, slothful, and wicked servant that took the one that he had, the one talent he had, and rather than working with it as he ought, he buries it. And it's very identifiable, very easy to recognize. Very easy that if you will remain faithful, you will become fruitful. If you will remain faithful, you will become fruitful. As long as we remain faithful, as long as we continue to handle what's in our hands, the worst thing we could do is get our eyes on tomorrow and forget what we have today. 
the worst thing we could do is is let go and 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 and, and allow digression and drift and, and 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 slippage to start showing up and slack start start showing up where we're at because well because we're trying to get here but if you don't maintain what you have you prove unfaithful to even gain what's on the other side I'm not going to go through and read the passage we know the story but the worst thing we can do in transition is give up where we're at today how do you how do you maintain what you have while obtaining something else it's a question how do we maintain where we're currently at while looking ahead to something new you keep doing what you've been doing you keep doing it until you know to do anything different you keep doing it you keep taking the tests you keep showing up to class you keep showing up to work on time you keep serving in your roles and your responsibilities handling your assignments just as you always did you continue to maintain what you've been doing before you can obtain something new these three hindrances if we can overcome these obstacles in transition the test the temptation and the trust. If we can overcome these three obstacles, we will transition. We will go to a new level. We will enter a new season. Even in your own life, if you continue to maintain, if you recognize these hindrances that can show up in your life, you can overcome any test. You can overcome any temptation. And you can keep your trust. See, that wicked, lazy servant, Chase, if you come up, that wicked, lazy servant, he lost his trust in the process. He even told the master, I knew you to be a hard man. I knew you to be a hard man, sowing where you don't sow and, and reaping. And so I buried your treasure. What's your I, I was scared. I lost my trust in you. I, I lost my trust in the system. I lost my trust in the process. That thing that I should have been maintaining the whole time, that thing that I should have been increasing, I know how this works. You go, you give us something, you put something in our hands. Uh, by the time you get back, you want to profit. I know how this thing works. I know what you do. You reap where you haven't sown. I know that. But I lost trust. See, in the midst of the transition, we can lose trust over what we have and ultimately lose what God wants to gain in our lives. Don't get lost in transition. Don't get lost in transition. Stay the course. Stay the course. Are we going to pass or fail the test? When the temptation rises to just enter into complacency and say, no, it's just too hard. Was it just a concept or is this thing a, a true commitment in our lives? That would say, well, no, we're sold out to seeing this thing take place no matter what. 
And are we going to keep our trust in what we've been doing? Or are we going to devalue our current season because of the next season? Let's be a church that will pass through transition. Enter into the new season. Enter into the new things that God has for us. It's worth it. It's worth it to see the Red Sea parted in front of you. It's worth it to enter a promised land that's full of obstacles that I don't know how we're going to overcome. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it to stay the course and endure the transition. Because God will see us. Amen. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for this season that we're in, Father. At the closure of one, entering a new one. Father, we just want to do whatever you've called us to do. We just want to be obedient to your word. The doors that you've opened up thus far, Father, it's only by your power. It's nothing we've done. It's nothing we could accomplish. But, Father, at this point, we want to do what you've called us to do. We want to be obedient to your word. You're not looking for our power. You're not looking for our ability. You are looking for our obedience to stand on your word that you've given us. We want to pass the test. We want to resist the temptation to become complacent. And we want to trust in you and trust in that which you have already placed in our possession. Be faithful so that we can be increased to the next level. Father, after it's all said and done, you will receive all the glory. You will receive all the praise and all the honor. We thank you for this tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.